Welcome to the Liberty Baptist Sermon Archives. The message you're about to hear was preached at Liberty Baptist Church in Easton, Massachusetts. You can find out more about us or contact us at mylibertybaptist.org or just look us up on Facebook. And now we hope that this message from God's Word will be a blessing to you. Who's my desire to go into 1 Samuel and really try to get some traction in that series, but really felt the leadership of the Lord to go back to uh, a text that we have looked at before dealing with a, a business meeting and why we have a business meeting. I'll tell you, uh, it's good to see a crowd here tonight uh, on Sunday evening. I'll tell you, nothing draws people in like a business meeting. The excitement is rippling through the building. Can you feel it right now? I know that I can for sure. But uh, business meetings are important. Uh, we have them once a year here at Liberty Baptist Church. Uh, but they're not just important because it's something good that we do. I believe it's something important because it's biblical and there's a biblical reason behind it and there's a biblical authority to it. And, you know, we do things here at Liberty Baptist Church. We do them because the Bible commands us to do something and either explicitly by command or in principle. And tonight, as we look at the business meeting, we're doing what we are doing this evening for a very particular reason and a very particular purpose. And interestingly enough, the early church, the first church, gives us the example of what we're doing this evening in conducting a completely different kind of business. Uh, we are not electing any apostles tonight. Thank the Lord. If that was the case, that would mean, well, Vince and you know, uh, Rick would be apostles. And well, there's a lot of biblical reasons that's not the case, amen. The apostleship uh, is over. That is an office that is no longer, in essence, uh, available to us today. But at the same time, the fact that business was conducted and it was done in a biblical way is something that we want to look at here tonight and draw from in our own experiences a little bit later this evening. So let's get right to it. If you would stand, please, for the reading of God's Word, Acts chapter 1, uh, beginning in verse number 15. And again, gentlemen, uh, right on. Thank you so much. No, <laughs> I looked at David. I, he already was waiting for me to uh, say something was wrong. No, thank you very much. This is good. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse number 15, which says this. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, the number of the names together were about 120, men and brethren, this scripture must need have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. Now, this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong. He burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue Al-Sildama, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. Wherefore, these men, which have accompanied with us all that time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. And they appointed two, Joseph, called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Business conducted. Business conducted biblically. And I want us to draw from that example here tonight. So please be seated as we pray together. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this night, and I pray that you'd help us as we consider this issue tonight. 
Lord, it's something we've considered before, but at the same time, it's something that we need to consider again with those who are new and those who just need a reminder, which is truly all of us in some ways. So help us to look at this issue through your eyes and your lens, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Church business meetings, when they are done right, can be mundane. Church business meetings done wrong can be exciting for all the wrong reasons. We are not looking to have an exciting business meeting this evening. Uh, what we're looking to do is have a biblical business meeting this evening. That is our uh, goal. Business meetings are important. They provide input. They provide oversight. They provide accountability. And on top of that, this is not just a business meeting this evening that simply goes over raw financial data. We also want to give opportunity to praise God for His many blessings upon Liberty Baptist Church over the past 12 months plus. Again, we're not just looking at financials and data and numbers and dollars and cents. We want to say the Lord has used these finances to be able to further His ministry here in Easton and far beyond. And we want to give glory to God for what He's done. And hasn't He done great things in our midst this last year as we move forward for the cause of Christ and now as we're adding to our faith in 2024. Now, we are not the same as a Southern Baptist church for a lot of different reasons, far more reasons than I can go into here tonight. But I will say this, one of the reasons is that we have a congregational form of government, meaning this, that our church governs itself as we are led by God. Now, we have no oversight in the sense that there is no quote-unquote home office that is over us. We do not need to send a percentage of our tithes and offerings uh, to any office that is far away. However, there is oversight provided to this church and it's provided through the leadership of our trustees, but most importantly, it is provided through the membership of Liberty Baptist Church. Those who are invested in this church, not just financially invested, but invested through your time, invested through uh, your energy, part of this assembly, you are the ones that help biblically and prayerfully provide oversight to this church. So when I look at our text tonight, in many ways, I'm looking at business meeting minutes. That's what we're looking at tonight, the minutes of a business meeting provided to us by none other than the Holy Ghost. And as such, I believe there's some things that are helpful for us very quickly tonight that will encourage us as we get into our own business meeting here at Liberty Baptist Church. And first of all, I see, number one, they were gathered by the Savior. They were gathered by the Savior. See, verse number 15 says this, and in those days, and we can stop right there, in those days. And the question is, what days are we talking about? Well, certainly we're talking about, broadly speaking, the days after Jesus Christ died, was buried, rose again, and ascended into heaven. You'll remember that Acts chapter 1, earlier on in the chapter, we find Christ's ascension after 40 days. That's recorded for us here. But I believe more specifically when it talks about in those days, it's actually referring to the verse before. Look at that with me, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And when they were meeting together and when they were coming together, yes, as a church, they already existed together as a church before the day of Pentecost. The church was not birthed on the day of Pentecost. It was empowered, I believe, on the day of Pentecost. And we've talked about this before. They were already meeting together as a church. They were already gathering together as a church. They were already commanded to follow the great commission that had been given to us in at Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 8 as well. So all of this is going on, and while they were meeting, they assembled for a business meeting. Just in the course of meeting together and praying and worshiping the Lord, business needed to be conducted by those of the church. They were gathered together at the behest of the Savior. 
Well, why would you say that, Pastor? Well, look at verse number four. At the ascension, it says, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. So Jesus has said, you need to be together. You need to remain together until the time uh, that you will see that's appointed. And when that time comes, basically, you'll know exactly what it is. And of course, in Acts chapter 2, we know the time does come in all of its fullness. But to have a business meeting, th this may seem groundbreaking, but to have a business meeting, we got to meet together. We all have to be together. The days of Zoom and, uh, and Skype and FaceTime and those kind of meetings, uh, listen, we want to be together to be able to have a business meeting. I want you to be able to look in my eyes and me to be able to look in your eyes and to hand out financials and questions to be asked and questions to be answered if questions need to be asked and they will be answered. Uh, we have to meet together in one place, but we have to meet together not just in one place, but in one mind. And that mind is this, we want to honor the, honor the Savior who saved us. To the point tonight isn't even just the fact that we want to go over data or go over numbers. The point is this. What's the point every time we come together at Liberty Baptist Church? We want to glorify the Savior. Amen. When we leave here tonight, the Savior ought to be glorified. You say, Pastor, are you saying this because you're worried about something you're going to show everyone tonight? I have no worries whatsoever. The numbers that I've given to you have already shown our trustees uh, and our financial secretary over a week ago and their numbers that they've monitored quarterly over the last year. I have no uh, heartburn whatsoever this evening uh, with anything that I'm going to present to you. I just want to make sure we're all on the same page of understanding when we have something like this tonight, sure it's to provide, provide oversight, sure it's to provide accountability, uh, sure it's to praise the Lord for His blessings, but all of that comes under this umbrella that God may be glorified. And when we leave here tonight, we ought to be able to say this, well, I still don't love business meetings that much, but thank the Lord he was glorified. And that ought to be our goal here this evening. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tells us that the church at one point, and of course the church at Corinth was a church that was very fleshly, they had a lot of problems, but they could not handle their own business. They couldn't even handle the way they operated with each other. And what ended up happening is they were taking each other to court. And Paul took them to task. He says, can't you handle your own business within your own church? He says, how are you going to be able to administrate those things in the time to come, which I believe means the millennial kingdom, uh, when there'll be administration that's given here on this earthly kingdom during this time. He says, how can you handle that if you can't even handle amongst believers? And frankly, I've heard of churches where there have been fights in business meetings and people yelling at business meetings and churches splitting during business meetings. And I thank the Lord. We've never seen anything like that here at Liberty Baptist Church. In fact, I would say our business meetings border on the mundane at best. And we thank God for that, don't we? <laughs> but at the same time, we want to know by the time we're done here tonight that God has been glorified. See, Paul put it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world, and if the world shall be judged by you, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that we shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life. We ought to be able to bring judgment to the house of God in the sense that we do so in a way that's honoring and pleasing to the Savior who's gathered us together. So first of all, we see the gathering of the Savior. But secondly, we're to be guided by the shepherd. We're to be guided by the shepherd. And I would say that we are not, we are guided by the chief shepherd, of course, but what I'm speaking of in particular here is to be guided by the under shepherd. You say, Pastor, who is that? Oh, wait, that's me. I forgot. Yeah. God has, thank you, Peyton. I appreciate the pity. All right. But uh, God has brought us together. And although I am the same as you here tonight, I am just a person just like you are, saved by the grace of God. But at the same time, we also understand that God has put me in the position uh, to be able to be a leader of the church and to be able to lead and administrate 
at the behest of God himself. I'm not supposed to be self-willed as a leader. I'm not to lead this church in my own stylings or my own way, but I am to lead as the Word of God tells me to lead and as the Holy Ghost leads. But yet, at the same time, there is leadership that needs to be applied. See, in verse number 15, it says, And in those days, Peter stood up. In my Bible, I have this phrase circled, Peter stood up. Because finally, he stood up. It's been a while, hasn't it? It's been about 40 days he's been on the bench. It's been about 40 days he's been on the sideline. It's about 40 days he's been brooding over the decisions he's made. But finally, he stands up. And guess what? From that moment on, there's no looking back. What we see from this moment on is Peter who takes on the role of being an under-shepherd there in that first church in Jerusalem, but also understands his apostleship and is empowered by the Holy Spirit in a way that belies anything that he's ever seen in the three years previous in his life. And he is now guiding this church. He stands up with authority. There's no doubt that he has authority here. He stands up with authority, yet he's not an authoritarian. There is a difference. He stands up with authority given to him by the Holy Ghost, but he is not an authoritarian. For instance, Peter sets the qualifications for the apostles in verses number 21 and 22. It says, Wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus was in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day which he was taken from us, must one be ordained to be a witness of, uh, with us of his resurrection. Peter says this, we're going to choose an apostle tonight. He says, but what we're going to do is we need to have someone who has been with us all the way from the beginning. It must be a man who has been there since the baptism of John the Baptist all the way until the time when Jesus died on the cross. That is the only candidate that will be eligible for apostleship. But an authoritarian would have said, this is the man I want you to understand. Here's our new apostle. But it says that he gave those qualifications. And then verse number 23 says, and they appointed two. Meaning this, where did the appointment for the vote come from? Came from the membership, didn't it? So here is Peter setting authority. Here is Peter giving guidance and leadership to the church. But at the same time, he is not an authoritarian in the sense uh, that he is taking his preferred choice and cramming it down on the people and saying, this is what I want to do. I'm the man of God. Listen to me. You say, pastor, no pastor would ever speak like that. Some of you have been in churches or you've witnessed something along these lines where a pastor would have smacked the pulpit, something like this, and said, I'm the pastor. And I've always said that if a pastor has to remind people he's the pastor, he's already lost. It's kind of like telling your kids, I'm the father here. Listen, bud, you're already in trouble, man. They know you're the father. If you've got to remind them, there's more problems that you can deal with just in that one statement right there. And I don't need to pound the pulpit and say tonight, I am the pastor, I am the leader of this assembly. No, I pray and I hope that I lead in such a way that you see authority in the way that I lead this church, but still not an authoritarian. There have been some who have served here as trustees, not just our current trustees, but some who have served before as well. Uh, and there are times I give leadership and I say, I believe this is what God has called us to do. There are other times I, I say, this is what I believe, but what do we think about this? Because it's something not of a biblical nature. It's something dealing with finances. Maybe we should choose this or choose that. We should go in this direction or that direction. Again, not about biblical things because biblical things aren't for up for any of our choices. Biblical things, it's thus saith the Lord and we better follow. We better get in line. But there have been times I'm thankful that I've had those who have been in uh, leadership to help me who have sometimes saved me from myself, from decisions maybe I shouldn't have made or maybe from directions where I was hesitant, where they said, Pastor, we need to move forward. 
And so I'm thankful for that type of guidance, but we do need to have a shepherd. And I'm thankful that God has called me to be the shepherd of this church. Can I tell you, there's not a day that goes by that I don't get up and I don't walk into that office and that I don't say something along these lines in my mind that I understand that it's a privilege and an honor to be a pastor. And I'm not just a privilege and honor to be a pastor, it's a privilege and honor to be your pastor. People come here to study the Word of God, to get to come here and to sit down at some of your coffee tables or to sit at a coffee shop with somebody. It seems like coffee seems to be the main thread through all of that. I'll be able to sit with you and be able to talk with you about troubles or difficulties in life, share blessings and heartaches. It's a privilege. But at the same time, uh, it's not just the fact that God has called me to be your pal. God hasn't just called me to be your friend. Now, listen, I hope I'm your friend. I sure don't want to be your enemy. But at the same time, God didn't call me to Liberty Baptist Church and call me to Easton to be uh, everyone's resident friend who's always around because he's got nothing to do because he only works on Sundays. No, my first job is this, to provide oversight and to provide leadership biblically. And if I can be your friend along the way, praise the Lord for it. I'm sure not against you, but I know what God's called me to do. And that's part of what we see Peter doing in this meeting is giving administration as the under shepherd. He's the chief shepherd but he's been in place by the chief shepherd as the under shepherd of the flock. So we see they were gathered by the Savior. We see they were guided by the shepherd. And number three, I see this, they were governed by Scripture. Listen, friend, everything about Liberty Baptist Church has to be about this right here. Say, Pastor, do we have a founding document? Do we have a governing document? Do we have a constitution and bylaws? Well, absolutely we do. Uh, absolutely, it's important for us as an institution to be able to have such a document. But we have found that that document must be based upon this word right here. You'll find if you've seen our Constitution and bylaws before, the very first several pages have our statement of faith as a church. Why? Because we must make sure that we are governed scripturally. The places where the Bible has spoke explicitly, we must follow in the very same way. The places where God, uh, the Bible has given us uh, uh, more instructions in the sense that uh, uh, th these are uh, general principles to follow, then we, try, then we follow those as God has led us to be able to do so. But in the end, it's not... What does everybody want us to do? What do you think Liberty Baptist Church ought to be? What does Liberty Baptist Church mean to you? No, no, we've seen that effect on popular Christianity today, haven't we? We've seen what happens when people go from town to town and start churches. This is the Rick Warren crowd and others. And listen, I have books in my office that can, I can show you where they've said they start churches and they go door to door and instead of giving people the gospel, they say this, what would you look for in a church? And they find the temperature of the culture of the community and they find out what music people like and they find out those kind of things and they do all of those things with a Christian twist. And friend, that, that's not Christianity. No, that, that's not what Christianity was meant to be. No, we're governed by the Word of God uh, and we must be governed by it in all things. Peter is preaching in this business meeting. Don't tell me he's not preaching. He's preaching in this business meeting and what I love is he starts quoting scripture. He's dropping scripture everywhere. Psalm 55, Psalm 69, what is he saying? He's saying, thus saith the Lord. He, he tells people, this is what happened with Judas, and it was foretold. This is what needs to happen, and it was foretold. This is why we need to elect someone to fill his bishopric, which, which is another term for meaning his biblical office as one of the bishops as one of the shepherds of the church. We need to be afraid of that term here tonight. We don't use that term today, but at the same time, we don't be afraid of it. It's in the word of God. Now, understand this. We usually run a meeting, like tonight, following a very loose form of Robert's Rules of Order. Meaning this, we don't just all get up and say, this is what I think, and this is what I think. We, 
we, if we have something to vote on, we take a first and a second, and we do those types of things, and we vote, and we uh, have debate until the motion is closed, and then we close it down. And we don't follow it to the T. If you have a book of Robert's Rules Order at home uh, from your high school days, uh, that's not what we're following tonight to the T. But at the same time, it does give us some general rules to consider. But at the same time, if you were to ask, how do you govern your business meeting? Well, it's not by Robert. He, he didn't live till about 1870. We govern our business meetings through the Word of God. We want to follow what God has told us to do, and that is what we're doing. And even when we have our Constitution and bylaws, they were crafted with our, the Scriptures in mind. They cannot be separated from the Scriptures. They're just an extension of how we use the Scriptures in today's day and age. That's what it must be. So in light of this, it's important for a pastor, for myself, to do a couple things. I just mentioned this a moment ago. Implicit biblical commands must be followed to the letter. For instance, there are clear commands of who can be in the office of pastor and who can be in the office of deacon. Uh, we cannot change those because of societal whims and different societal norms. We say, well, I think it ought to be uh, such that, uh, that this person ought to be or that she ought to be. Well, friend, we can only go by what the Word of God says, and they might call, be called old-fashioned. Uh, we might be called uh, any number of names, and usually we are called those names. But we must make sure that we operate biblically because if not, then why are we even preaching from this? If we can just take what we want and put the rest to the side and call it historically or culturally relevant, then why are we preaching any of this? We must take it for what it is or discard it as a historical document from yesteryear that is no longer relevant. But we cannot just take what we like and dismiss the rest like we're eating at a Golden Corral buffet. Oh, AJ liked that. Okay. Is <laughs> so AJ or Dave? I'm not sure. Dave, was it AJ? Okay. That's, uh, yeah. Listen, you can't. Uh, Dave in the back liked it. All right. So uh, whatever it is, listen, but, but that's not the way we can take it. We must take the word for what it is. So we see that we're gathered by the Savior, we're guided by the Shepherd, we're governed by Scripture, but we're also guarded by supplication. We're guarded by supplication. Look at verse number 24. It says, and they, what? Prayed. They prayed. You know why this worked? Because they were people of prayer. By the way, they didn't just start praying in verse 24. Remember verse 14. These all continued with one accord, not talking about a Honda, by the way, with one accord, in, I slipped that one in on some of you. All right. In what? Prayer and supplication. They came together for the sake of prayer. Do you know one of the reasons I'm confident about a night like tonight? Because we had 10 men that gathered here this morning that wanted to pray and ask the Lord to guide us this day to make sure from the moment we got here this morning at 8.30 drinking coffee, uh, 9 o'clock for prayer and for devotion, all the way till we leave at 6.05 Ish, that's right. I don't want to lie in the pulpit. Whenever we leave, that we say this, may God be glorified. That we make sure when there's decisions made that we know that we have done so biblically. You say, well, pastor, what if I've not prayed over all these decisions down to the letter before I got here? Well, we ought to be people of prayer just saying, Lord, whatever it is, just guide me and lead me. I just want to be sensitive to your spirit. I want to be sensitive to what comes up uh, in a meeting. And again, we're not even talking about anything contentious or anything really uh, that requires a vote this evening other than just presenting our budget to you this evening. But I just want to say that whether it's this business meeting or a business meeting in general, we want to make sure that we are people of prayer. Because it says this, when it came down to these two men, there was Joseph called Barsabas, surnamed Justice, so this man with three names, and then Matthias. And it says this, it says, and they prayed. They said, 
Thou, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whither of these two thou hast chosen. What were they praying about? Lord, show us who you want. That's backwards from how church uh, business meetings often work. Well, I want to make sure people know what I want. Hold on a second. What do they do? Lord, show us what you want. Show us so that we can go the right way. Let us discern what you would have us to do. And so this was not a personality contest. I, I don't believe uh, that people were walking around with buttons and one said Joseph Barsabas Justice. Which, by the way, would be a very long button. And then Matthias is like, hey, take the one with the short name, whatever it is. Uh, they weren't stumping for votes. What were they doing? They were making themselves available for the use of God. And by the way, I don't see that there's any offense that was here. Interestingly enough, uh, neither of these men are mentioned again by name. Although if you go to Acts chapter 6, I believe the Lord honors this decision because in Acts chapter 6, it mentions the 12 once again. I don't believe that that's a mistake. I believe that the Holy Spirit uh, said that. He said, well, what about Paul being an apostle uh, as well? Well, I think the Lord will sort all those things out, and I'm not too worried about that. Here's what I know. I believe that God uh, honors what was done here, so much so that just a few months later that they were called the 12 once again. They're no longer the 11. Uh, Judas has been replaced, and he's been replaced by this man named Matthias, and they could know they made the right decision, and they knew it because they prayed because they asked the Lord to show them what they needed to do. Prayer is a necessity for business to be conducted, for wisdom as to which decision should be made. There have been times that we have looked at property before. We've never had to vote on a property here by the grace of God. I thank the Lord for that, that we've not had to go that distance yet. But we've looked at properties before. We've looked at, well, more properties than I'd like to share with you here in a message here tonight, because over 10 years we've looked at a lot of them. But we've prayed over a lot of them. The Lord has saved us from a lot of troubles over the years. Or the very first property that we looked over, I actually brought it over to the church, and we looked at it. It was a property over on Center Street here in Easton. It was an Episcopal church uh, that is now a, uh, a funeral home. And it was selling at the time for $600,000. And, of course, $600,000 could have been $6,000 come at $60. We didn't really have any money back then. We were only open for about four months at the time, and we just barely got in here. But I was a fresh face as a pastor, and it's just vision, man. We got to keep moving. We got to keep going. You know, we've been here for one month. Got to keep moving. We got to go somewhere else. And it was somewhere around that one, two months. It wasn't very long that we were here at all. My timing might be off just a touch, but it wasn't much. We were very, very new in here. $600,000. And the Lord just made it clear that's not the building. But Lord, I want it to be the building. Well, it's not the building. So what do we do? We shut it down. That was it. Ended up that funeral home that I mentioned had bought the property, and I've become uh, friends with the funeral director that's there, and have done uh, done some services for him. And uh, it, it just uh, he's been a blessing to me and his family uh, personally over the years. And I uh, talked to him and his business partner one day while we were just making some small talk. We were getting ready for a service uh, for a family that was here in town, and I mentioned to him, I said, "Do you mind me asking how how hard was it to renovate this building?" He said, "Oh, pastor, you have no idea." I said, "I said, well, what do you mean?" He says, we, we paid twice over the purchase price just to be able to renovate this building. He says, it was one thing after another, after another, after another. And all I could say is, praise God from whom all blessings flow. <laughs> because it made all the sense in the world. Lord, why wouldn't you give this to us? Don't you love us? He says, I love you so much, I don't want you to have that. He protected us from something that could have been devastating to the life of a young church. What does that mean? We've got to be guided by prayer. 
we've got to be guarded by supplication. We need to make sure that we allow that to guard us from making poor decisions. So wisdom as to which is right. And I also believe prayer helped them to keep the right spirit during the meeting. This is why we could be of the mindset that we want our will to be done instead of the Lord's will to be done. It certainly is the case in Corinth. You'll remember in Corinth, First um, Corinthians, rather, chapter 1. I was going to say Corinth, chapter 1, although look it up. I guess it would be there too. But in 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, you find that they said this. Uh, I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ. They were in factions. They all wanted their man, if I could put it that way, to be out front. And Paul rebuked them sharply for having this type of mentality and exhibiting this type of behavior. And prayer allows us to make sure that when we come into this assembly, particularly when we're to conduct business, and particularly maybe in the future when the business might be a little bit more difficult than just saying, here's a very bland and dry budget for you to look at, and let me give you some, let us give you some financial oversight for the past year. But what happens when it's, here's a, here's a building? And some people think this, this is an opportunity. We move forward and trust in the Lord. And there's other people who say this, the numbers just don't add up. I don't think we should do this. So what do we do? Do we draw into factions? Do we start insulting one another? Do we, the one group say, you have no faith, and the other group says, you have no brains. <laughs> Is that what we do? Or do we say this, Lord, we don't know who's right, but we do know you're always right. And so we're just going to come before you and, Lord, if it's, we're going beyond our means, show us. Lord, if our faith is too small, show us. And may your will be done. They're guarded by supplication. And when we know that the Lord speaks, no matter what happens, we can be assured that we had the leadership of the Lord to bring us to where we are instead of our own self-will trying to bring us to where we are. So we see we were gathered, they were gathered by the Savior. They were guarded by the shepherd. They were governed by scripture. They were guarded by supplication. And they were granted by selection. They were granted by selection. Look at verse number 26. It says, And they gave forth their lots, and the lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. They, that first word, or second word, rather, they, that means the people who were present, 120 people who were there, they were the ones that made the decision. They were saved, they were baptized, they were members of that church, and they were the ones who were the voting people who made the decision. By the way, that's one of the reasons why when we have business meeting, it's those who are members. And the reason why is because those who are the they are to be the ones who make the votes. And that doesn't mean that those who are not members are not valued by our church or not part of our community or not part of our family. You certainly are. But at the same time, there's something here that says uh, that there's an investment made by those who are the they, those who are part of that group. And that's what took place here with these 120 people. They, and it says this, they gave forth their lots. Now, if we're not careful, this gives a connotation and a thought that maybe we shouldn't be comfortable with here tonight. When you think about casting lots, what do you often think of? We often think of gambling, don't we? And sometimes the Lord would use casting lots as a way uh, to be able to make his will discerned where people would uh, take certain uh, stones of different colors and things like that and he would use them. Sometimes it was just, well, flat out gambling as it was at the foot of the cross for Jesus' garment. And so you might look at that connotation of gave forth their lots and might see that that is something uh, that might make you ill at ease. But interestingly enough, the phrase gave forth their lots is only found in the word of God here. It is different from casting lots. You cast something, it's something that is, well, cast out, isn't it? But yet giving forth your lots 
to me gives the idea, and historically from the studies that I have done, gives the idea of something similar in society that we've recognized maybe in the last hundred years or so, when people would vote by using marbles. A white marble for a yes and a black marble for no. Uh, what would happen is someone was being voted on to be part of a group and they received, what would we call it? A black ball. You've been blackballed, which means what? You've been voted out. Uh, they were giving forth their lots. I've read that historically that it would not be unusual to have a white stone and a black stone and to be able to use those as a way to register your vote. And so in this essence, when they were casting their lots, this was not something that was done at chance or at random. They weren't rolling dice to try to see, come on, Matthias, Matthias. Oh, no, you know, snake eyes. That, that wasn't what this was. No, this was them saying, we are going to purposely make sure that prayerfully we're going to discern the Lord's will and then we're going to vote as we believe the Lord has led us. They gave forth their lots and it fell upon Matthias, which meant that he is the winner. He is the one of whom the votes were cast for and he was numbered with the 11 apostles, which means this, his position was granted by the selection of the people. The will of the people was done. Peter did not say he is the apostle. He said, these are your candidates. This is the pool you may draw from. And then once you have drawn from them, then we will vote and we will vote as the Lord leads us. And that's exactly what they did. Well, tonight, I see this to be the case. A business meeting, an orderly business meeting, is an opportunity for God to be glorified. We look in chapter number one here and we see God's glorified through what happens. By the way, the table is set for what God's about to do in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost because they handled their business rightly in Acts chapter 1. Now, I believe God has great things in store for Liberty Baptist Church in 2024. I believe we've already seen a little bit of it already, haven't we? I'm excited to see the growth of those who are coming. I'm excited to see new visitors that are coming, returning visitors uh, that have been here. I've heard just so much uh, wonderful talk so far about the new Sunday School series that's about to start uh, next week. And I'm really looking forward to more of the classroom type setting uh, than what we've experienced in my Sunday School classes over the last year. And by the way, I'm just going to say this one more time. You need to be here at 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings to be part of that class. It is going to be something that I believe if you give yourself to the material will be transformative to your Christian life. I really believe that. And so much so that I'm disappointed that I will not be in the class, but I think it's important for me to be able to be in discipleship. And I'm gonna be going through the material myself because I want to make sure that I'm getting what is being given through that class because experiencing God for yourself, not just the stories of the past, not just what grandma or grandpa used to tell you about God, or not just what independent Baptist did 40 years ago with God, but that God is real today. And you could experience him as phenomenal. And I'm, I can't wait to see how the Lord uses it. I really can't. To see people continue to get saved and to see people continually grow and to see just a wonderful spirit here. I mean, it was just a couple years ago that when we said amen, there wasn't a whole lot of people that wanted to stay behind and talk. And now it seems like everybody wants to stay behind and fellowship and talk with one another. You say, Pastor, how do you feel about that? I love it. I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. Some of you, you don't get enough fellowship here, so you go somewhere to eat afterwards and you keep fellowshipping. That's, that's phenomenal, especially if you're paying. That is phenomenal. It really is. No, I thank the Lord for it. Your best friends ought to be here at Liberty Baptist Church. Your family ought to be here 
at Liberty Baptist Church. You know, I'm not talking about cultish stuff like you can't fellowship with anybody else or don't talk to anybody else, don't, don't be around anyone else. I'm just saying this, is that when you come in here, it's kind of like, oh, it's a respite from the world. I've been dealing with all those people out there and I've been trying to tell them about Jesus and most of them aren't listening. But I get to come in here and they're people that get me. They're people that understand. The people that love me. People that encourage me. Uh, people that will even sometimes, you know, give me a gentle rebuke because they care about me. This is a good place to be. And it's a blessing. We, I see so much of that in our horizon. But can I tell you that what happened in Acts chapter 2, that table was set by godly people doing godly work in Acts chapter 1. By taking something mundane that could have turned contentious and ended up being an example of God being glorified in the ordinary and the mundane. Again, I almost feel like I'm presenting this in such a way that I'm, I'm concerned there will be contention tonight. I'm not concerned at all. Not only is there nothing that's within, I believe, the materials I'm going to give you that could cause contention, it's just the fact that I know this group and I understand this group and your godliness and your care, and I don't see any of that in the horizon at all. But can I tell you that if a church continues to grow, as this church will grow, there will be harder decisions than tonight to make. There will be times when there will be definite, different opinions within this building, particularly if we are going to leave this building someday and find somewhere else to go, it will not be easy. Listen, the only way, can I just be honest with you? I might as well, I'm 30 minutes into this. Why don't I be honest with you? I hate it when I say that because I've been honest with you the whole time. But let me just be frank with you. Let's put it that way. Okay, I'll be frank and you be whoever you are, all right? Okay, we need to land this plane. But uh, <laughs> let me be frank with you. If this church is to grow, if this church is to find another building in the future, there will be some very hard decisions to make because the only way we're getting a building is if God does a miracle. It's gonna have to be a building that's old, it's gonna have to be a building that needs repair, or it's gonna have to be something that's given to us or sold to us at a very low cost that's not optimal. You say, Pastor, what kind of God do you serve? I serve the kind of God that could give us anything that's brand new and free. And if that happens, then we rejoice because we know it's possible. But we also plan for what we see around us and say this, it will not be easy to secure a building. And it will certainly not be easy to secure a turnkey building. It will require the Lord's miraculous work, no matter what it is. But looking on the horizon, there will be some hard decisions. Should we renovate or not renovate? Should we take a loan or should we try to raise money? How much money do we raise inside this building? How much money do we try to raise outside of this building from supporting churches? Do we change the color of the carpet of the new building? You say, Pastor, do churches fight over those things? Churches have closed over those kind of things. And I wish that was a joke, but it's real. Churches close over these kinds of decisions because people fight and they get angry and they're ungodly with one another. Churches split and there's not enough money to pay the bills anymore. And so what everyone does just says, well, let's just go somewhere else. And sometimes they find out there's not really a whole lot of other places to go. And a gospel lighthouse has been closed. And this is not just a story of Massachusetts. This is a story of the United States. So how do we guard against that? Well, by understanding, not necessarily for tonight, but for our future, we must make sure 
that we handle our business in a way that honors and pleases God. Gathered by the Savior, we all come together for one place. Guided by the shepherd, that I'm allowed to give biblical oversight to this church and that you trust that I will give you biblical oversight in this church. Governed by scripture, biblical oversight, not the will of man, but the will of God. Guarded by supplication that we're people of prayer, that we're people who are constantly seeking the Lord for his will. And then granted by selection that we make decisions and that we make those decisions that honor and please God. We have an opportunity to do that tonight and Lord willing, we'll have more opportunities to do that in the future. But may God be glorified in what we do in a business. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the pulpit of Liberty Baptist Church. If this message was a blessing to you, or if there's any way we can serve you, please let us know by contacting us at info at mylibertybaptist.org. Or you can visit us this Sunday at 800 Washington Street in Easton, Massachusetts. May the Lord bless you as you grow in His Word.